Good morning. Good to be back. I'd like to begin with a story that happened to me Wednesday night, this week, Wednesday night. It was six o'clock, I got into my car to drive to prayer meeting. You know, a retired pastor should not neglect prayer meeting, correct? No excuse. So I was driving comfortably, hardly anybody on the road. I enjoyed myself. I was by myself, but I enjoyed myself. Then suddenly I saw a state trooper coming towards me with the blue lights flashing. First I thought he's chasing somebody, but... I didn't see anybody speeding that way. Then he turned around and got behind me. There was no question that he was not chasing somebody else. So I pulled to the side, stopped the engine, rolled down the window, and politely waited for him. And he came. He said, may I have your driver's license? Now, what can a pastor do when they ask for his driver's license? Of course, sir. He said, where were you going, sir? Sir, I was going to prayer meeting. Do you know what you have done? Why have stopped you? Uh, I am a retired pastor, but I still believe honesty, correct? I cannot lie. Uh, just between you and me, that's one of the weaknesses that I cannot stand. I can forgive your ignorance. I can forgive your forgetfulness. I, If you are not courteous with me, no problem. But if you lie to me, brother... And sister, that's the line drawn. You follow me? But if I expect you to speak the truth, isn't it fair that I speak the truth? So I said, I was going to prayer meeting. And yes, I know, I know, officer, I know. I drove 70 miles in a 55 mile per hour zone. This was a state trooper. But officer, I said, could you show me some mercy? He says, no. He says, you were too high about the speed limit. I was ready to argue, but I didn't say a word. But I was not driving 100 miles per hour. I was not endangering the life of anybody. I mean, 70 is 70, but it's less than 100. He says, I can show no mercy 
But you can go to the court and plead with the judge. I said, would you mind telling me how much it will cost me? $130. Now, brethren, (coughs) excuse me. Penny, I appreciate it very much. I live on a very tight budget. Since my wife died, I lost her social security income. My income dropped 33%, less, you know. So from 100 to 66%. Very tight budget. $130 means much to pay my utility bills. I don't know how to... It is with you, probably you are loaded, but hey, I am poor as a church mouse. <clears throat> Few more tickets and I go into bankruptcy. <clears throat> no. The officer was kind, he says, do you have cruise control? Yes, I have cruise control. He says, use it. <clears throat> No mercy. No mercy. Well, brethren, that's the way the law looks at us. That's the way the law looks at us. But let's turn to the scriptures and... uh, Zechariah chapter 3. I begin with verse 1. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. And he showed me Joshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him, oppose him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, Satan. Even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand Blocked out of fire. Now Joshua was <clears throat> clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. Now, you know, I I was not standing, I was sitting in my car, and the officer was on my left, not on my right, but he could have stand on my right and accused me, symbolically take this place, you know. <clears throat> I could not argue with the state trooper. He had the proof. He says, I measured it on my radar. You drove 70 miles. I did not argue. I was very kind, courteous, 
After all, shouldn't we be courteous? Shouldn't we be? So I said, officer, I know. I'm not denying. You are right. But I'm still asking for mercy. And he says, no. I still don't give you any mercy. I was hoping that he just gives me a warning. Now my insurance rate will go up. My budget will shrink. I remember an incident in the Hungarian church when a while back an elderly lady hit my car accidentally. But she says, Pastor, don't, don't report it. Because my insurance will go up. My expenses will go up. So I said, no, I don't report. Fine. I know what it means. Especially when you are on a tight budget, correct? Aren't we all on a tight budget? Spiritually too, brethren. Spiritually too. Verse 3 again. Now Joshua was clothed in a filthy garment and stood before the angel. And here comes the good news, brethren. Listen to it. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garment from him. Uh, Do you notice that Joshua couldn't even undress himself? I don't know if you get that point, but it is very important. The Lord asked those assisting him to take off the filthy garment. Very important. And unto him... He said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will close thee with a change of garment. Now, passing the iniquity, brethren, is more serious than just taking off an outward garment. Are you with me? I mean, taking off a jacket or a coat, yeah, okay. You send it to the dry cleaner and it will be clean. But it says, I will take away the iniquity. There is a cleansing that the Lord alone can perform. And so on. I don't know if you read, I, I am not a Reader of Spectrum, I don't favor Spectrum, but once in a while there are some historical reports that worth knowing. You know, Desmond Ford just died. How many of you remember the name of Desmond Ford? Thank you. Not too many. Desmond Ford was an Australian Seventh-day Adventist pastor who worked a number of years here in the U.S. 
and uh, stirred up quite a controversy regarding the issue of justification by faith. And those issues are still with us. Now, if you remember in Messages to Young People, page 35, Messages to Young People, page 35, justification is our title for heaven. Sanctification is our fitness. You remember the wedding feast when all the guests were invited to come to the king because he gave a big feast for the wedding of his son and as the guests were present, the king came in and inspected the guests and there was one one individual without a wedding garment. You remember the question that was asked? Man, how did you come in without a wedding garment? And the scripture says he was silent. He had no excuse. Now, I'm not going to go into details, but he had no excuse. The wedding garment was provided freely. It was not that he could not afford it. And what was the end result? The king commanded the man to tie his hands and feet and cast him out to the outer darkness. But the issues are still with us. Let me read one or two sentences that William Johnson wrote in Spectrum. Just one or two sentences. William Johnson used to be the editor of the Review and Herald a couple of years back. He is an Australian just like Desmond Ford. And they were together college students at Avondale College. Now let me just read just a few sentences. Desmond Ford has died, and I weep. I weep for Des, my friend and brother in Christ. I weep for the church, the Adventist church, with which no reconciliation came about. Des Ford is an Australian tragedy, Des Ford is an Adventist tragedy, and so on, and so on. Here is his picture. I don't want to go into detail. That's not the burden of my message. The point is no reconciliation. The doctrinal difference was such I have been studying with my granddaughter, Abby. 
Abigail is in the 10th grade at Northern Ohio Adventist Academy. If you know these amazing facts, Bible study series, I started, I wrote it down, July 2017. How long ago is that? So almost two years, correct? Almost two years. Good lessons. Very good lessons. And she answers the questions. I mean, she did answer the questions. We are still not done. Very well. From 15 to 20 questions, she misses one or two. Which is pretty good. And those she misses usually because she does not understand. There are some tricky questions there. But again this week I sat down with her and had a long conversation. I said, Abby, I have a burden. I have to share with you. And my burden is <clears throat> how good people turn into bad people. I named a few she has known from Brooklyn, from the Hungarian church. I'm not naming names today, okay? I'm not naming names. But I did name to Ginny. I said, this individual used to be in the church, teaching Sabbath school, was a board member, elder, and so on, and so on. No longer with us. Ginny, my concern is how good people turn into bad people. And I said, not Ginny, I said, Ginny, Ginny is dead. Uh, I meant Abby. I always confuse my grandchildren with my children. And the grandchildren call by their mother's name and sometimes their mothers call by grandchildren. Now, those of you who are in the same predicament, you understand, okay? Don't pick up a stone. But I said, Abby, I see the importance of understanding biblical truth. And these lessons that you are answering tells me that you do a good work. Good information in your mind. But, Abby, this is not enough. Are you with me, brethren? It is not enough to remain loyal to Jesus. You need more than information. However, I do not belittle correct doctrinal information. They are extremely important, and that will be the major topic of my sermon if I get to it. <clears throat> but uh, <clears throat> 
before I get to my, I am not at my sermon yet. <coughs> Abby, you need to be born again every day. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Grandpa cannot give you this. I can only grade your paper whether you gave the correct answer. But, hey, you have to pray and plead for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A transformation, as we read in Zechariah, when the Holy Spirit removes the iniquity that is in you. It's amazing how fast good people can become bad people. And that's my concern. In this church, in the Hungarian church, wherever I am. And, of course... I am scared of myself. No, I, I don't drink. I don't use drugs, you know. Normally speaking, I, I am an ordinary, healthy, abiding individual. But I know unless I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit every day, unless I born again every day, Unless the Holy Spirit helps me, I can become a bad person very fast. And so can you, brethren. So can you. One more illustration. And then we come to the sermon. The ultimate test... What will be the ultimate test for us Seventh-day Adventists? Where will it center? Uh, We say the Sabbath, you know, Sabbath or Sunday. That will be the visible issue. Are you with me? Yes. But I say this with reverence and conviction That that is not the ultimate issue. Oh yes, yes. It will be pressed on you to turn to observe the Sunday instead of the Sabbath. But the ultimate issue is the first commandment. One time a scribe came to Jesus, tempting Jesus. Tempting. What a stupid thing. Tiny scribe who knows a little bit more than a farmer, and he begins to tempt Jesus. I mean, he didn't know with whom he was dealing with. And asked him, which is a great Commandment in the law. And you remember, Jesus gave very polite, but absolutely clear answer. The first and the great commandment, O hear, O Israel, 
the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord with all your heart and mind and strength. So what is the first commandment, brethren? Love to God. Observing the Sabbath is a fruit of that love. But the real issue is love. When Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, the scripture says that he finally became hungry. Now you have to go to the Desire of Ages to get some of the details. And we have been blessed with the spirit of prophecy to know details that nowhere else you can find. Are you with me, brother? You can say, Amen, brother. And the devil came and he started with an absolute truth. He said, there was an angel in heaven who lost his place and he was thrown out of heaven. Was that true? Brethren, absolutely true. That was true. But here came the twist. But you look like that angel. Therefore, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to turn into bread. Now, brethren, what did he question? He questioned the identity of Jesus and his conviction. Now, Jesus' conviction that he was truly the Son of God. Your identity will be questioned. Your identity will be questioned to the uttermost. The ultimate test when it comes Not how much you know. You don't know much anyhow. I didn't mean to offend you, okay? I hope you don't take it as an offense. This is the truth, brethren. That includes me. And you. And you. The ultimate test will be not how much you know, but will you Stick to the truth to the uttermost. Jesus says, he who endures to the end will be saved. So not how much you know, but what you know will you stay with. Are you with me, brother? Now we come to the sermon. The title of my sermon is Matthew 24 and the False Prophet. Penny was quoting, uh, made reference to the false prophet. I think it was the six plagues that you discussed. <clears throat> Matthew 24, let me read. 9 to 11. <clears throat> then they will deliver you up 
to tribulations and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. We'll betray one another. And we'll hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and deceive many in our brethren. This is a description of the conflict between church members. Not the Far Eastern Chinese or the Hindus in India or the Muslims in the Middle East. No, no, no. This is a description of the problem within the church. Let me read it again. They will deliver up you to tribulation, kill you. I don't like this. Honestly, I don't like it. But I don't dare to change it. You will be hated by all nations for my namesake. Now, brethren, Christ's name stands for his character. Is that correct? So you will be hated if you are Christ-like. If you are only a nominal Christian, no, you will not be hated. But if you display the character of Christ, you will be hated. These are the words of Jesus. And many will be offended. It's a sad picture. It is a sad picture. When one church member is offended by another church member. Oh, it never happens in Brooklyn. You know, it only happens in the Hungarian church. You are far superior to the Hungarians. You know? I don't believe you. <laughs> you are just as bad as we Hungarians. <laughs> and we are as bad as you Americans and Ukrainians. I don't want to make an exception. And whatever else you are here. You understand, brethren? We are in the same boat together. And now I come to Matthew 24, 24. False Christs and false prophets will arise, and listen to this carefully, show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Show great signs and wonders to deceive. Miracle-working prophets show true signs, not fake signs, true signs. Predict something and it will come to pass. Excuse me. Brethren, according to the paper, I have ten more minutes, so I better hurry. 
Miracles have a power to persuade. I wish I had the power. When my wife was sick, for an entire week, she lost consciousness. We knelt down at her bedside. We prayed for her. None of us had the power to restore her. She died. Then our daughter, Jenny, became sick with cancer. The school, the conference, relatives in Hungary, um, classmates in different states have been praying for her. But nobody came to her bedside touched her hand and tell her, Ginny, arise and be healed. None of us had that power. Oh, how I wish we had it, but we didn't. But we still love the Lord, brethren. We still trust the Lord in spite of that. But I miss that power. But the scripture speaks about miracle-working power to persuade you to worship the beast. Now, if you have a highlighter, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 13. In my Hungarian Bible, I wrote on the margin in Hungarian. <clears throat> Wouldn't help you, but I just let you know. You can write it in English, Russian, Ukrainian, Spanish, whatever you prefer. This is one of the most important chapters in the Bible. I'm not saying the most, but one of the most important. Deuteronomy chapter 13. Are you listening? I begin to read Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1. If there arises among you a prophet, a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign and a wonder. Now, please note this. Gives you a sign and a wonder. And the sign and wonder comes to pass. He predicts a miracle, and that miracle happens. Now, we usually say, and the scripture encourages us to say, that a true prophet is a prophet whose words come to pass. Is that correct? That has been our teaching. There is some exceptions when there is a prophecy that is conditional, like, you know, Jonah was preaching, Nineveh will be destroyed. But Nineveh turned, repented. But by and large, a prophet is true, proven true, when his words pass. And here we read, <clears throat> if there arises among you, 
not outside. This is within the Seventh-day Adventist Church, within our own church family, within our own community, not a Hindu, a Muslim. No, no. A Seventh-day Adventist. And gives you a sign, and that sign comes to pass. You assume that he's a true prophet because the miracle he predicted comes to pass. But brethren, keep on reading. He says, let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them. Verse 3, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet and the dreamer of their dream, and here comes the clincher for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now stop here, brethren. What did I say just a few minutes ago? What will be the ultimate test? I said not the Sabbath. Yes, outwardly, outwardly, it will be Sabbath Sunday. But in reality, the test will be the first commandment. Do you love the Lord with all your heart? All your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Jesus said more than once, if you love me, you keep my saying, keep my word, keep the Holy Scripture, keep the commandments. But the issue is love. And this test here, I'm not going to, I would recommend you read the entire chapter. I'm not going to read, I, I am already at the end. Woo. I have to shortcut this. <clears throat> uh, I'm shortchanging you. Not because I don't love you, but because I love you and you, I know that your patience is limited and your courtesy I should not abuse. So I have to, but let me add a few clinchers here. You read the entire chapter, mark it, highlight it. Every time you open the book of Moses, Deuteronomy should jump into your eye and say this is one of the most important chapters, fundamental for the last day conflict. For the last day conflict. Because if a stranger comes to me and lies, I just brush it aside. But if a beloved wife asks me, (laughs) 
You know, I have done things because I loved my wife. I listened to her and later on I regretted it. Now, I I didn't go as far as Abraham marrying Hagar. You, you, you understand? But I have done things that I should have not. It is one of the hardest things to say no to a wife, to a daughter, to a son, to an immediate family member. But brethren, we have to come to the point when we are able to say no. Because the ultimate issue is the first commandment. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and then your fellow man is yourself. But number one is the Lord. Brethren, and this is what I tried to tell Abigail. I said, Abby, I, I shared with her serious, serious examples from both congregations. I'm not mentioning the names purposely. I don't want to offend anybody. But I mention names and say, Abby, these individuals were with us. And are no longer with us. It's no longer in the church. No longer believing. And it can happen to you and to me. See, that's the issue. Abby, it's important to go through these studies. Very important. I am very serious about those things. But it is not enough. We must be born again every day. We must plead for the Holy Spirit to baptize us anew every day. You remember in Romans 8 when Paul says, but really through Paul the Holy Spirit says, he who does not have the Spirit of Christ is none of his. And only those who are led by the Spirit of Christ are the children of God. Huh. This poor died and was not reconciled. <clears throat> and let me close it uh, with a few illustrations and then I go. To distinguish between the holy and the unholy. To distinguish between the clean and the unclean. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. Human nature. I don't know how is it with you. I don't know. I hope you experience the frustration that you try and you cannot. Paul says that, you know, I do what 
I don't want to do. And I don't do what I want to do. I'm struggling. Now, I will not abuse your patience, but I recommend you two books. I cannot tell you everything that I wish to tell you. That state trooper that stopped me on the road took too much of my time. But that illustration cost me $130. Please remember, when you remember that illustration, a true illustration, but it cost me $130. Expensive. There is a book by Larry Kirkpatrick. Cleanse and Close. Subheading, Last Generation Theology in 14 point. <clears throat> Brethren, if you disagree with me, I still love you. If you disagree with me, I still consider you my brother and sister in Christ. You understand? <clears throat> I love you unconditionally, but I am the last generation theology disciples. I just I just tell you the truth. You know, a retired pastor cannot lie. Is that correct? I have to speak the truth. And if I am wrong, I am open for correction. But at this time, this is my conviction. <clears throat> when two classmates... We went to Columbia Union College. Him and her, Dave and Dora. In fact, I was instrumental encouraging David to start courting Dora. And finally, he married her. And they have been married for the last 30, 40 years. Successful marriage, so... I'm not saying every marriage I conducted was successful like this. No, sure. But this was. But they came to the funeral of uh, my wife. And they gave me this book. We have been classmates. Very close. In fact, Dora was roommate of Susan while in college. Step to personal revival, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. I have learned so much from that book. I'm, I intend to read it ten times. The author says, in order to sink in the content, to sink in, Scientific research says you have to read it ten times. Now, I am 84. If I count it the Chinese way, you know, you count a year while you were in your mommy's stomach, then I am 85. I'm forgetting quite a bit. I have to reread it 20 times. But I don't care how many times. A good book is worth rereading. 
So, thank you for your patience and forgive me for running a little over time. It's always a privilege to come back to Brooklyn. Folks, I love you. And uh, I hope we will be in the kingdom together without the limitations of this. My children tell me, get a hearing aid. Get a hearing aid. And they tell me other things too. That comes with old age. But I am thankful that I can still be here. The Lord bless you real good and thank you again. Thank you, Pastor Potansky, for that divine message. And I think it's safe to say there are no time restrictions when he's up here giving the message. Amen. Amen. At this time, we're going to have uh, our closing hymn, which is 633, When We All Get to Heaven. Please stand, if you would, when you find it. 633.
We'll have our closing. All kneel as far as possible if you want, if you would. <coughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message imparted to us today. We thank you once again, Lord, for the opportunity to have a place to come and worship freely. We thank you for all your blessings that you bestow upon us each and every day. Please forgive us of our sins. Please guide and strengthen us. Please help us throughout the week, throughout our lives. Help us to be doers of your word as well as hearers. And help us to keep you first and utmost in our lives as well as our fellow man. To love you above all and have that same love for our fellow man. All these things we pray in your holy, precious name. Amen. Amen.